Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode 25 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the man from Japan. Uh, Stephen Myring, Taylor's on the boards. And then we have, I'm going to start calling you The Witcher, is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Kyle E. Miller. And you are Kyle E. Miller on the boards, right? (laughs) Pretty much, yep. <laughs> there we go. All right, easy to find. Uh, so we're going to try something a little bit different today. Uh, we've been trying to do this Witcher podcast for a really long time, and uh, from scheduling conflicts, Stephen, uh, and E3, we've kind of we've had a hard time getting the show together. Uh, so we're going to give you a full-on Witcher 2 discussion right now. Uh, Kyle and I have both completed the game, so we're going to have a really in-depth discussion. Stephen's kind of acting as our referee. Uh, and that's volume one of our two-volume podcast for episode 25 that we have planned right now. Volume two is going to be devoted to E3 because, good lord, a lot of stuff went on at E3. We have plenty of people that went. Uh, we want to talk to each one of them individually about the stuff they saw. Good god, Dark Souls looks awesome. Okay, okay, just got to stay calm. Stay calm. Yes. Okay, I know, cool. I know, I know. Just. Cool. I'm trying. I'm trying. So uh, right now you're listening to Volume 1, The Witcher 2 podcast, and we should release Volume 2 at the same time with the E3 podcast. So if you don't want to hear us talk about Witcher 2, that's perfectly fine. Just switch on over to Volume 2 right now. So, All right, Kyle. Tell us what you love about Geralt of Rivia. I uh, just want to say I absolutely loved your review of Witcher 2. I thought you did the game great justice, and you pointed out just – how wonderful the storytelling is in this game. And I, I just want you to go ahead and love on the game for a couple of minutes. All right. Well, I don't know how much repeat there will be between this and the review, but I think the best thing about The Witcher 2 is not only the story and the characters, but just the immersion of it all. The world, the the kind of magic that just sucks you in. And not many games can do that. I mean, this was a game where I, even when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it. Um, I probably had dreams about it. I had a dream recently where I was Geralt of Rivia. Um, (laughs) Really? Yeah, I did. I was killing people in a modern city, actually, and inciting riots and stuff like that. Um, Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea for Witcher 3, honestly, but... Kyle E. Miller is the Witcher. The Witcher. The Witcher 3. Rob Schneider is a stapler. Uh, so now, when you say immersion, are you saying from, you know, just the way the world is conveyed, the, the gorgeousness of the world, because... Everything. Good, good God, this game is gorgeous. But are you also talking from a mechanics standpoint? Um... Not as much mechanics. I mean, they play into it, but that would be a lesser element, I guess. Mostly the story, the voice acting, the graphics, music, dialogue, um, just how everything comes together. You know, the lore, just everything. It's one of those games that sucks you in and doesn't let you go until you're done with it. You know, I beat it twice, and then it was like my my fever kind of broke, you know? And then I was like... (laughs) wow, it's done, but that was great. I would definitely agree with you from the immersion and storytelling standpoint. I think the the big moment for me in Witcher 2 was actually a very quiet moment, was when you get through the prologue and you get to the first act. So you get to the town of Flotsam, 
And as you're entering the town, you find out there that... copious amounts of jetsam lying around? Yes. Um, I was hoping that we wouldn't sing that horrible song from Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, but now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> and I'm really pissed off right now. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Oh, God. That's... Okay. All right. I need to... Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So you get to Flotsam, and you find out that two people are about ready to be hanged for crimes against the town. And when I found out who it was, it's two of Geralt's friends from the first game. You know, not going to go too much into spoilers other than that. I actually smiled when I saw them again. Like, it was like, wow, I remember those guys from Witcher 1. And part of me was sitting there going, you know what? You two idiots would get yourselves into this situation. And that was like a light flicking on for me and saying, wow, I am Geralt right now. Like, I feel the way he does where he's kind of, you know, Geralt is a huge cynic and he's kind of rolling his eyes and saying, oh, Jesus, did you guys do something again? And I was so happy to see my friends, air quotes, in this world again. And I don't think I've ever had an experience out in a video game outside of like Solid Snake appearing again in Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, I've never had that returning home feeling with a video game before. Did, th- did that get you too, Kyle? Yeah, and after after that happens, um, you all go into an inn, and you're just kind of like sitting around talking as if you were friends, and it really did feel like you were among friends. Even in this really harsh world, where people are dying, people are just disgusting pigs. You can still sit around in an inn, have a couple beers with some friends, and have a good time. Yeah. And it's like, it it's a parallel to our world, you know. There's a lot of terrible things going on, and but at the end of the day, and I said this in my review, at the end of the day, you can soak up the beauty of nature and go to an inn. Maybe not an inn, but a bar or something. Even you know your house, you can relax with some friends, and those are the good things in life. Even though there are all these terrible things, so it's just that kind of thing that really struck me about the game. See, now I think that's actually that sounds like I'm sure Rob and I, I think you might have read it too, Kyler. The Game of Thrones, the that series, like oh, the yeah. relationships between the characters are part of what draws you into that. Because I mean, yep. there are scenes where they're all just sitting there chatting, and you're like, these are, these seem like real people. Like they have like real concerns, and you know, you know, they kind of you know they joke around, but they talk about you know they talk like real people. I I gotta and say, just feel. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. I keep trying to cut you off. Go ahead. Do you feel like uh, that's kind of what Bioware was going for with Dragon Age 2? That was and that was. I feel the like point. that's exactly what they were going for, was to get, oh, you are Hawk, and, you know, oh, check it out. It's a couple years later. You and Varric are buddies, and you're joking around in the in the tavern, but yeah, you know, to varying yeah. degrees of success. It sounds they, like The Witcher nailed it. See, where Dragon Age 2 fails, though, is in realism. The Witcher 2 is possibly the most realistic game I've ever played. Probably the most realistic RPG, at least. Whereas Dragon Age 2, especially it's comparatively, game. it's, very it's very gamey, and it feels kind of um, anachronistic. Like, in certain parts, they're trying to be too cool, they're trying to be too modern. Whereas The Witcher 2 knows what it is, and it doesn't try to be anything different. I can agree with that. I mean, it, it definitely... We'll, we'll get to the combat here in a little bit, but... Dragon Age 2, all they kept telling us was, we want you to know these characters. You're going to spend 10 years with these characters. You're going to feel like you're at home with these characters. And I liked the characters from Dragon Age 2, don't get me wrong. 
But the smaller world size, the smaller cast didn't affect me emotionally at all over the course of my experience with Dragon Age 2. I was still enjoying the game, you know, but it it never struck a chord. Witcher 2 has a comparatively smaller world size uh, to the first game. I mean, it is it is a much smaller game, but it's very intimate, for lack of a better word. It's a very, very intimate game where you are interacting with the same group of characters for a long period of time. You get to know them very well. You learn their ins and outs. You learn their political affiliations. I mean, the game is very Game of Thrones uh, in that it's all about politics. It's all about warfare. And having your character of Geralt interacting with these people, all of that is awesome. And you're you definitely feel that intimacy in the world, like you're a part of it. One thing mm. that I one thing that I will complain about from a storytelling perspective, I still have no idea what the hell happened to Geralt before he got amnesia to start off the first game. They go into it in Witcher Two, but they go at it in a very disjointed odd way which he's recovering his memory so he's getting it in bits and pieces but unfortunately they don't flesh out those bits and pieces very well in his journal so half the time you watch a cinematic of him recovering his memory and i can't put it together like and the game isn't doing a like i don't know who the hell yennefer is i don't know what what's going on in this part of the story so that was one tiny area of the story that i felt a little let down do you know what the hell's going on there kyle yeah i think so i mean it takes a little bit it's very it's kind of abstract actually very strangely so for a video game especially um i think maybe also part of the problem might be because the games take place far after the books like they before the first one came out they said oh Geralt. Evidently, I, I don't know. He passes, he disappears, or dies at the end. Yeah, they of think the he's dead. Book. They think he, well, they think he's dead. I'm not sure if it happens in the books because, unfortunately, we only have what two of the books translated into English. Only one of the major series has been translated into English, and so it, it could be that. But I think what happens is like Geralt, uh, according to his memory recovery, and you find this out in the original game, so we're not going to spoil anything. In the original game, you find out that Geralt was killed during an uprising in a a town where the humans started to kill the elves and dwarves and and the non-humans. And Geralt stood with the non-humans, and he was cut down. And then you flash forward, and he's brought back to life. And I think... I don't know what's going on there. Like, it is very abstract. Now, Kyle, you wanted to get in there? I was going to say, I don't think he was on the side of the elves and not, or not humans. I think I, he was neutral. I think he was on the side of the elves. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's part of – I don't know, but that's how it struck me. But you could be right. But it, it yeah, is it, very abstract. It is, and it takes a little bit of – like I, I didn't skip those parts playing the second time because I wanted to be sure that I got it, that I got it right. Um, I would just say pay very close attention to those, those cutscenes. Um, yeah, they started to make more sense, but there was still like an overlying. When does something really bad happen in those cutscenes? Yeah. And I, it's really hard to say. And I think they're setting up. I mean, let's be honest here: the game ends on a massive cliffhanger. Massive cliffhanger. It does. It's satisfying. But it's, it's a satisfying really, ending. Yeah. At the same time, I think it completes the character or the the story arc. Yes. 
Yes, it's Empire. It, it is Empire Strikes Back. It completes the story arc. It opens up new, interesting avenues that the story can travel down. I was surprised how it ended because I was kind of expecting something a little bit grander, but it was still satisfying. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the ending, but I'm now sitting here going, okay, when's Witcher three coming out? Like I want it. I want it now. How, how closely related is it to the story of the first game? Not very, actually not very, which kind of surprised me. So it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, where the first no. one is somewhat related, but the second two are the ones that are very connected. I would say it's, I would say the Star Wars analogy, where you're dealing with the same characters and the same overall like political strife, but Different the conflict. Yeah, and the ending cutscene for Witcher One, of course, sets up Witcher Two. Like that's how it begins. But you don't really deal with Salamandra again. You don't really. You have a couple of conversations about it. But you know, the setup with Fall Test that is a huge part of of the prologue of Witcher One. So there and is. I thought, I thought they did that excellently. Like I, did, I agree. I don't like sequels that are, you know, just more the same. It's really, really closely tied to the first one. Or they're just throwing in references just, you know, for the hell of it, indulgently. I think they did it almost perfectly. You know, there are, there are references to the first game. So if you played it, you know, you, you, you might notice this, recognize this character or something. But it doesn't go overboard. And you don't see Salamandra, you know. I was so happy that Salamandra was not the major conflict in it because that would have just been – that would have ruined the game. Well, I mean, you were also – we've been killing Salamandra for how long? Like, I think we're all getting a little tired of it. So yeah. there's definitely that aspect of it. But it, it is very much – it's a good sequel uh, where there are setups from the original game, particularly with Fall Test, that are explained very well in the sequel. But I don't think it's as necessary to play the first game. I will no. – I think the game does – the game uh, Witcher 2 name drops like hell at the beginning of the game. Like I was horribly confused at the beginning of Witcher 2. Playing it again, I'm really understanding everything that's going on. But right. it it does kind of have a tell don't show mentality at times, where it's it, it reminds me of the scene in Chrono Cross where you hear about the war between the dinosaurs and the humans, and they don't show it to you, and it's kind of like wow, I. I would have liked to see that, like maybe a little cutscene or something to show me the conflict, to show me the character, to show me what's going on. Particularly when when characters are introduced in the game, until you've seen them, they don't have a picture in your journal. So it's really, really hard to make some connections in that game. But again, multiple playthroughs help flesh out the world. Right. Yeah, it does not hold your hand. No. And I really like that aspect of it. Would I want everything to be like that? No. But I, I, it's it's awesome for a change. I mean, it, it reminds me of kind of like old school PC RPGs where it's just kind of you're tossed in, total immersion. If you can't figure it out, then who cares, you know? I think that I think that's a good lead in to the only area that Kyle and I really disagree with, I think, when it comes to Witcher 2. And I, <laughs> I think the story is great. I mean, I, I there really... Was, go ahead, go ahead. I did want to just mention the characters for a second because the characters are so beguilingly I guess realistic I don't know they're they clearly have motives and like they just come to life and like you just have to wonder 
what they're thinking and that you wonder that at all is one of the game's merits. And I don't know. They're just so like, there's no, there are no villains really. And there are no, that's a good point. There are really no good guys either. And it does such a good job of that. It is gray. It's very gray. And I think I, I really don't want to give away what happens, but there's one decision that you make very close to the end of the game and uh, Kyle and I will talk about it after the show, but you're put in a very interesting situation. And the choice that I made really brought a smile to my face in a very sadistic way. But then <laughs> afterward, and now you probably know what I'm talking about, but then afterward, I honestly wondered if that was a proper decision. Yeah. And that's how gray the game is. While while BioWare is sitting there saying, you know, we want we want gray morality in Dragon Age and this, that, and the other thing, I mean, Witcher 2 just schools a minute. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's silly. I mean, it is honestly silly. You find yourself sympathizing with terrorists in Witcher 2. Now, as an American, we're all Americans on this show. To put us in that kind of situation with the kind of baggage that we have growing up in a 9-11 society, that's impressive to make us sit there and go, well, you know, they got a point. I mean it's an analogy to everyday life. The the uh, elves and dwarves being pushed out by the humans, it's an analogy to what's going on today, and that's why it works so well. But there are – I think Kyle's right. There are no villains in this game. There are people that are working toward a toward a goal, but is that goal necessarily evil? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I have this, I have a, you know, my philosophy says that there is actually no evil, you know, capital E evil, and this game perfectly exhibits that. Like, people do terrible things, people are awful, but are they really? Villains? Not really. Yeah, they're no. doing it for a reason. And if you don't believe in pure evil, you haven't played enough Demon Souls, my friend. So, but, <laughs> but, but I did, one more question. Rob, yeah. drops in. See how evil you think they are. <laughs> Go ahead and ask your question, Kyle. And I don't think this will spoil anything. But who is your favorite character besides Geralt? My favorite character. It's kind of hard to say. Um, hmm. I really like Roach and I really like Yorvith. I really, I, I think they all kind of uh, appear on the same level, but uh, I think I'm more partial to Roach, just because Roach is the like King's special agent. He's one of the two that you can side with. Wow, we haven't even brought up the point that oh god, yeah. that there is a complete split in the second act of the game where you're siding with one of two people just. You go down a completely different path, and this is exactly what I talked about before where you will have trouble making this decision. This isn't front mission three. Do you go to the mall or do you not go to the mall? This is who do you side with? It's about ready to get real here. Who are you going to side with? And you – up until that point, you've learned something about each character. So they're not throwing you in blind to make a decision, which is awesome. You learn the motivations behind each character. I think I sided with Roach, especially after his actions at the end of Act 2. I very much enjoyed Roach. I found him to be a very conflicted, very well-written character that was – 
following his own beat, but at the same time still defending his homeland. I really enjoyed him. I thought Dandelion was funny as hell. Again, I think the voice <laughs> actor for Dandelion did a much better job in this game. Voice acting across oh, the yeah. board. I was reading in some reviews that people thought the voice acting was poor. Outside of one or two characters, I thought the voice acting was great. Yeah, like, me too. Some of the horrors sound amazing. bad, but I thought I thought the voice acting was great. Yeah, it's amazing. Both, it's subdued. I mean, it's very subtle. It's very subdued. No one jumps out at you. And yeah, Geralt kind of sounds at times like he smoked 30 packs a day, but he's still delightfully cynical. He's still awesome. Yeah. I, who is your favorite character? I mean, there are a lot of good ones. Um, Geralt obviously is my favorite, but other than that, I really, really like one of the kings. Each king kind of has a... Um, a sorcerer or sorceress, kind of a yeah, a counselor. It's, yeah, basically. Philippa and Sheila. Yeah. Well, Deathmold. Oh yeah, Deathmold. Deathmold Death was cool. If there was a villain in Witcher Two, it would kind of be him, just because he's like, in any other game, he would be like a cheesy, like super villain, just oozing with evil, and he kind of is, but in a really cool way. He's yeah. like. I don't know. And he had such a personality, too. Like, yeah, he was cool. I liked him. He He's also very cynical. I mean, the whole game is very cynical. I mean, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Game of Thrones right now is, is doing great numbers on HBO. We've talked about A Song of Ice and Fire on the podcast before. I think if you like any of that kind of reading, any of that kind of fantasy that's built around politics instead of, you know, magical – things i think you'll really like witcher too because that's that's what yeah, witcher is yeah. but see the thing that got me was at the same time like i mentioned earlier there is still like a magic to it and yeah. a beauty which is great because that's how the world is yeah yeah no i would really agree i mean it doesn't it doesn't hurt matters that this game is absolutely drop dead gorgeous I mean, good God, I, I I was playing this on high settings, like even with my one gigabyte graphics card and Intel iCore 7, I can't play this at Uber settings, and it just looks so good. Like, just, yeah. it, it is stupid how good this game looks. Like, yeah, just, I, I just sat there, you know, I, I wasted time just looking around. Yeah, know, the, I, the first time you get into the forest around oh, Flotsam... Yeah. You know what? It, it, again, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't mention Metal Gear Solid. It felt like the jungle that I always wanted to have in Snake Eater. I got lost. I actually got lost in the dungeon in the jungle, and I was like, "This isn't good. I may die out here. <laughs> this is kind of scary." So I, I think from a artistic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from an overall immersion standpoint, I mean, Witcher Two is just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. If if you're looking for a game. To lose yourself in, I think Witcher 2 is great. Are we ready to talk about the combat now? <laughs> All right. I won't be negative. I, I won't be uber negative. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I, can, do you mind if I start? Go ahead. I think it's a huge step forward from Witcher 1. Huge step. I mean I hated combat in Witcher 1. I hated it. This is much better. I think the problem with the combat, outside of the tutorial, which we're going to get to in a second, and I'll be interested to ask you if you played the tutorial after they, they patched it and they were supposed to make it a little bit more friendly, but combat is this weird middle area where you it's trying to be Batman Arkham Asylum, 
and it's trying to be Demon Souls at the same time. So you have a character that is supposed to be very responsive and very fast in moving around the environment and is given a lot of options, but then you're also playing a, quote, realistic sword-based combat where if you get stabbed in the back by a big burly dude with an axe, it's going to kill you. I think the problem is that it doesn't do either of those two things very well. I think the combat is a little... To me, it's unresponsive. It's giving you almost too many options at the beginning of the game to fully comprehend all the abilities that you have. And it punishes you mercilessly for that at the beginning of the game. I mean, the situations that they throw you at from the first battle all the way through the end of the first act are ridiculous. Where you're fighting six or seven guys, and if they hit you once, they could get you into a stunlock scenario where they just ping-pong you around and kill you. And then if you level up your character in a very specific way and pick up one or two skills, you're god. And nothing can beat you over the course of the game. I stopped losing health. I haven't lost health in my second playthrough since I picked up the enhanced shield spell. And that, to me, kind of says broken. That the combat system can be that quickly snapped. Is that what they intended? I mean, at the end of the game, Geralt feels ridiculously powerful, which is cool. And it, he starts to feel almost like Kratos, like you're fighting eight or nine dudes and it's not even hard. I mean, he builds up his adrenaline meter and he can take out three or four guys in one hit. But to me, the combat just never – it never settled. It never settled into a comfortable position. There's times where I would attack and Geralt just would stop mid-motion. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like he's just – he just stopped. Like all of his locomotion stopped. It just – never feels good and i know you disagree with me on it that so i want you to speak your mind on that now well i would say that it's not you know in my review i scored control the lowest out of any of the the constituent elements uh-huh. control was lowest because i don't think the controls are amazing it is a bit unresponsive at times the patch made blocking better which was one of my biggest control complaints uh, now, when, was, when, you, when you say blocking better because i i just for for transparency there, I don't think the patch is really working on Steam. It it kind of bricked my game a little bit, and I'm having a lot of problems. So I haven't seen the benefits of the patch yet. Now, how is blocking better now? It's just more responsive. Before, it was a little bit delayed. You know, like yeah. you push the button, and then there would be that second of delay. Yeah. Now it's much more instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You push the button, you block. Okay. You know? So that's they fixed that, which I was really appreciative about um it's still not the most responsive thing but i always found it fun and i always looked forward to combat almost just as much as i did conversing with these awesome characters or exploring these gorgeous environments yeah and see, i always look forward to combat and, and to me combat was a chore combat was a real chore i was very annoyed with it i was dying a lot in the first act. I think I died more in this first act than I died during my entire Demon Souls career. I died a lot. Now, granted, I'll be the first one to say I sucked at Witcher 2 at the start of that game. But it really just felt like 
it felt unfair at times. Like I was just thrown into a situation where like nine neckers would just surround me. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, there's no way I'm going to get through this. This kind of sucks. I don't know because it's – I don't. I never felt that it was unfair because it's very skill-based. And like on my second playthrough, it was before the prologue was patched even. It was incredibly easy. Oh, yeah. Very, very easy. I, and so it's like I went through the entire game and even toward the end it got easy in the first playthrough because I got really good at it. And I probably should have played it on hard. That's why they have. That's why they have other difficulty settings. You know. What did you level up? I'm interested now. What all did you level up? Because Ed, for those you know who are, who haven't played the game yet, you get the Witcher skill tree at the start, which are composed of skills that I personally think the Witcher should have had at the start of the game. But that's just me. You have to level up six of those skills, and then you open up the three other branches of your path uh one path is devoted to magic one path is devoted to alchemy i don't know why anyone would ever use that skill tree and then one skill tree is devoted toward swordsmanship again i'll I'll say it just to be clear i think the alchemy tree is completely useless that's just me i don't see any merit to that skill tree did you did you use it though i just looked at it and i was like i don't want that i don't want that i don't don't want that It could be really good. I didn't either, but my first playthrough, I went completely um, swordsmanship, and so I, by the end of the game, I didn't use hardly any magic or potions. Um, I used some oils and stuff like that to make to do more damage against certain enemies, but generally I blocked, counterattacked, and that was it. Right. Um, my second playthrough, I went completely magic. Okay. And I didn't have to block hardly at all, and I did. I don't think I used a single potion in the entire game. Huh. And now, did you find it easier the second time because of the magic path, or because, like you said, you'd gotten better at the game? I think it was just because I'd gotten better. Yeah. But if I had to say which one was more powerful, I might choose... I might say magic. I don't know. Well, the magic... really powerful. The magic path for me, I mean, when you get the Quen spell, which is your – at the start of the game, you have all your spells available to you, yep. which we're going to get to the tutorial in a second, I, I promise. But uh, when you upgrade Quen, which is your shield spell, which is practically useless at the start of the game, it, it barely absorbs anything, That's mm. that spell becomes so ridiculously overpowered that at the start of every fight, all I had to do was drop a Quen spell – run in, and I could be fighting nine guys and easily make it through without getting hit. Now, granted, I might have to back off for a second just to, you know, reignite it, but I found, but once I got that one skill, the game, like, all difficulty went out the window. And now, did you get that skill at all in your first playthrough, or did you just avoid it? My first playthrough, I did not get it. Um, I actually didn't like that spell. Because I didn't have it upgraded, and I thought it was really useless. I was using a couple of the other signs more. Yeah. But in my second playthrough, that was the spell that I used the most, and it definitely... You see how powerful helped it is. <laughs> the most. <laughs> it, I mean, eventually it does damage. When, when a person hits you, it not only absorbs that damage, but it deals damage to them. Yeah. So kind of like it's like a reflection thing. Yeah. And it can eventually arc off to up to three different enemies and that was just amazing 
Yeah, it's combined with combined with a bunch of explosive fire area of effect fireballs, and then it's you know it's over. Yeah, it, it's pretty powerful, and I think that that really gets to the heart of my problem with with Witcher One, which is I think that the the game has an inverse learning curve where it starts off ridiculously brutally hard. Like I thought the game was broken when I first played it. Like you, you told us in in our preview co- when we did the preview show of Witcher Two that you thought that the co- that the intro was incomplete and you died a lot during it. And I was like, well, hopefully they fix that. Nope, I had the same exact experience. That game didn't tell me anything, and I died maybe eight times on the first real combat. And I was just sitting there going. I've never seen anything like that in this day and age where the game just said, deal with it. I'm going, what? And the game's like, dude, you got to suck it up. Start playing better. Stop whining. Yeah, I mean, the game (laughs) is basically telling you to stop whining. Like, I'm sorry, Demon Souls has a friendlier introduction when you get pasted. (laughs) That wasn't my experience with Demon Souls. (laughs) See, I have to agree with Rob there. I think Demon Souls had a very soft intro. I mean, they give you plenty of time where, I mean... Unless you run through and attempt to stab everybody to death, I mean, the game clear out says hold your shield up and don't get hit. And, you know, the first couple monsters are a piece of cake. And then you get to that first boss and it's like you're meant to die there. Yeah. And then the, the whole first area of Demon Souls that's open up to you after that interlude is very easy. I mean, those it, enemies it's, are easy. It's challenging, but it's, yeah. it's not as challenging as the rest of the game. Once yeah. you get past 1-1 one, one in Demon Souls, the game's like, all right, LOL, I was joking. And then, which but Witcher Two throws you into combat scenario where you fight some of the hardest enemies in the whole game during the prologue, and I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, it never throws anything new at you. Once you fight the human enemies, you're either going to fight a person that doesn't have a shield, a person that does have a shield, or a two-handed fighter or an archer. Those are the enemy types, and you're never going to find anything different when it comes to human enemies. And at the very beginning of the game, you fight four dudes and you're going to die if you're not careful, you know, like if you don't hit them and roll away and then come back and hit them again. But then once Geralt becomes powerful, like he can take on nine dudes and it's like nothing. I mean, I died so much at the beginning of that game and then toward the end, combat was a joke. And now maybe that's what they were going for, this, this feeling of power of feeling like an action star i mean you go from feeling like a dude in demon souls who's keeping his shield up and scared to death that you're gonna die for god's sake i wanted Geralt to pick up a shield and then you turn into kratos and you're like literally stabbing dudes and lighting them on fire like you're (laughs) you're a god has that has that balancing patch come out yet or no I, it, when they announced the Xbox version, didn't they say that the Xbox version would incorporate changes from the patch? And they said that they're going to fix the intro and make it less insane. I haven't played the intro with the patch, honestly. I haven't. Yeah. Because that see, would be I, interesting to see what it like if they added like a tool tip to be like, "Yo, you should not get stabbed here" or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I haven't played it either. I don't know what they added. Most of the, most of the complaint comes down to the fact that you have so many options in this game. You have all your magic abilities open at the beginning. You have your two swords open at the beginning. Light and heavy attacks. You have bombs. You have knives. You have – I mean he's basically walking around like a little armory, which is awesome. It's just that the game doesn't do a friendly job of like any other game in today's age would say, okay, here's the part where you throw a knife at somebody so you learn how to throw a knife. Here's a part where you throw a bomb so you learn how to throw a bomb. 
But Witcher 2 is very much that hardcore RPG. You don't learn how to do it until you try it. And now that's – I'm not saying that that's a bad game design thing. I'm just saying it's really not a friendly introduction. It, it can be the No, it's the not. Yeah, the, the Witcher 2 hates you at the beginning of this game. It hates you. Whereas but Demon I like Souls, that for a change. See, Demon Souls mildly dislikes you throughout. And well, then I, well you. and then I get to the Valley well, of Defilement and I just feel like I'm in a nightmare. <laughs> it hates you. Well, yeah. It, well, it just hates you, Kyle. It just yeah. hates you. Once Mini Cthulhu comes out and decides it's time to – it's rustling time. You know what? I want that ding to be my ringtone, but I think it'll scare me too much. <laughs> you'll hear it and you'll turn around like, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Cthulhu. No, I mean, I, I think the kind combat... I like it for a change. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want every game, I don't think, to be that... Um... Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, in a word. But, you know, it doesn't hold your hand at all. And I don't want every game to be like that. But I think we're kind of going... Just a general trend. We're becoming more and more accessible which yeah. I don't like. So I like seeing something on the opposite end of the spectrum. Sure. I think there's room for hard games, of course. I, yeah, I just like, think that... Know, every now and then it's fun to play a game where it's like, you know, it requires input, but it's not going to tax you. And then you play a game like Demon's Souls or The Witcher where it's exhausting. Like, you're playing it and you're you're you you got to put everything into it to, to get through it. Yeah. I, I'll admit I was having major headaches at the beginning of Witcher 2. Like, I was uh, – Steven will tell you, and that, that brings us to our next part about Witcher 2. I mean, Steven had to deal with me messaging him on Steam about how pissed off I was playing this game. <laughs> I got really mad at a couple like points. Like, I'm like, hey, man, I'm playing Terraria. I just built a house. What's up? I hate you. Die. <laughs> I was pissed. He'd be like, sorry, I was talking about The Witcher 2. Oh, my – oh, okay. It, this gets to, I think, the worst part about Witcher 2, and luckily it only happens a few times in the game. I think the boss fights are atrocious. I think they're a huge step back from what we've come to expect from action games and the ways that games go about making boss fights fun and interactive. And honestly, every boss fight in this game was just a giant headache. It's like the game is trying to have these huge god of war set piece moments but it didn't learn anything from them and it's just you're fighting these multi-stage bosses that are very powerful and can kill you in two hits if you screw up so that's already not fun but you're fighting these multi-stage bosses that if you die you have to do the whole boss fight again and that's frustrating when you're on these fights what kind of healing does the game have like is it like the first one or like yep do you have a lot of healing options or is it like nope Drink that crappy potion that makes you heal slowly. Yep, and guess what? You can only drink that potion out of combat now. Now, at least the game does a pretty what? good job. Yeah. How, the hell, how do you heal? You can't heal during combat. You have to take the potion before you go into combat. No, the potion will last like yeah. 10, minutes. 10 minutes. Sure. So for the duration of the boss battle, you are slowly regenerating hit points. And but see, the boss battles aren't that long. No, they aren't. They aren't. And, and to the game's credit, it makes you – you're well aware that you're walking into a boss fight. Now, granted, the final boss fight of the game uh, – or not the final, final boss fight, but the second to last boss fight, the game didn't let me take a potion beforehand. That pissed me off a little bit, especially because it put a save point right before that area. So it I didn't let no, you? Yeah, it wouldn't let me. So hmm. it auto-saved, and then I couldn't – meditate to take my potions so i had to beat that boss without any healing items that was not fun that was obnoxious but it it's the boss fights are fairly uh short but it has that same awkward 
system, and, and I think this is the other main problem that I have with Witcher. The alchemy system is a very unique idea, and I really like it until you realize that it all comes down to pre-battle preparation. How do you know that you're going to be fighting against necrophages? How do you know that you're going to be fighting against humans? Once you go in and die. Yeah, and then you know, and then you use the potions. I think it's kind of obvious. I mean, you're going into a a pretty good job of telling. You're going into a crypt, say. You're probably going to fight either necrophages, which are things that eat dead things, or wait, wraiths, ghosts. Oh my god. Could so, you beat the first wraiths in the game? I thought the game was busted. <laughs> the first they were wraiths, really they were really, really tough. Yeah, two hits. Two. Really and you're in tough. like the smallest but, room in the history of the universe. But you know how I, I beat it's them? It's also really rewarding, which oh, I think yeah. I mean, like you do something, you feel good about it, but you also get items. Uh but like no, it is very rewarding, and when I finally beat those wraiths for the first time, and I don't want to give away how I did it, but I felt like <laughs> I, I felt really good about myself when I did it, and that was cool, but it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. I just feel like the alchemy system is this really cool device, but it takes pre-battle knowledge at times, and yes, the game does tell you occasionally what you're going to yeah. be fighting, and if you use Plus, a- of that's an, kind of the point. I mean, yeah. So do you being a Witcher is like that's the cool thing about the Witcher. It's not just it's not all brawn. You know, you have to be smart about it. Sure. So do you think it would be cool? It, like it would work better if, say, because you have to go into a meditation to drink potions, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like that in the first one, though, was it? No, you could use them. You, you could use them whenever, but if you didn't, if you didn't use the healing potion at the start of the battle, you were screwed. Okay. Now, like, you were going to die. <laughs> do you think the system would work better if when you were meditating it had, like, a thought bubble where Geralt was like, I anticipate battling this, or I think you know, they I should just the undead? I think they should just let you do it whenever. I mean, it it's as simple as that. Just, you know, if battle really starts to go bad, I should be able to take the potion so I can help myself out a little bit. Is it realistic? No. Is it more fun? Yeah, I mean, Maybe, but what if they had a combination of both? Like you had preparatory potions, but then you had like quick hits you could take during a battle. I would rather them. Yeah, that could be a way of dealing with it. Like having a a basic, like a shorter version of the potion that lasted a short duration and maybe cost more ingredients, like a fast act potion. But you could have those in for reserve if you were really screwed. Like honestly, Stephen, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds yeah. like an absolutely great idea. So I something like that to kind of mitigate this this common problem that I had with the game where it was just like, wow, if I had known that that was going to happen, all right, well. And now, granted, I wasn't downing uh, health potions as much as I was in Witcher 1 because the combat is more skill-based, and if you're good at the combat, you won't have to use it. I hardly use alchemy at all anymore. You see, it felt like in the first Witcher you had to use healing potions. Oh yeah, you don't have to do in that the, in this one. In the first game, like your first I mean, it was a, the first game, it was an RPG. I mean, the dudes were hitting you no matter what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. it's much better in this game. Again, the combat I think is a huge step forward. It's just that the alchemy is there to give you an edge. I think that's what it's there for. It's not a necessity. It's there to give you an edge, which is cool. It's just sometimes it would be nice to know that I needed that edge when I went into a fight. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> uh, well, maybe I needed that. 
So it, it's a cool system. I think it's really one of those things that separates Witcher from a lot of RPGs on the market. I just think there's a better way of implementing it. And Steven kind of hit the nail on the head. Have a shorter duration potion that you can use just to make life easier. You know, But there should be a negative to that. Maybe it makes your toxicity level go up more. I don't know, but you know. Bleh. Somebody else talk. I'm I'm sitting here parched. I think The Witcher Two has very pretty graphics. It is based very on what pretty. I have seen. <laughs> However, it is my very... PC lacks the specs at present time to play it. It is very pretty, and and I think the the only other real complaints I had about the game are are relatively minor. I just think that the I think the UI is kind of a mess. I think the, map, the menus aren't great. Yeah. I, well, it doesn't. One weird thing about this game is it doesn't have an overall menu. You. Yeah. Yeah. That is. They're all separate. Yeah. It's weird. You have an inventory menu. You have a map menu. You have a character menu. You have a journal, but you can't go in between each one. You have to exit out completely out of the inventory yeah, to go to really the journal. Just kind of. It's just weird. It's <laughs> really weird. Like, what is that? And I don't, I don't know if that happens on a controller. I kind of wish John was here right now and we could ask him that. But it's, it's a weird thing that I think should be worked out a little bit. And you know, at times the game does a really good job of telling you where to go. At times those maps make me want to punch somebody. Like they're just, they're very aesthetically pleasing maps, but they barely function like there's just weird stuff that'll happen in the maps like oh sometimes the dude's name won't come up at the store or sometimes a marker for a quest will show up on the main map but it won't show up on the mini map or it shows up in different areas on both maps it's like what the what is this like just from a ui standpoint the game's kind of a mess and i think we've been spoiled by like fallout's pit boy that was button heavy but very functional and I think we've kind of been spoiled by that. And I, I think that Witcher 2, I mean, at the inventory screen, he has something like 16 tabs. <laughs> there's a tab for weapons. There's a tab for throwing weapons. Yeah. There's a tab for armor. There's a tab for armor enhancements. There's a tab for bombs. There's a tab for traps. There's a tab for alchemy lists. There's a games. tab for trophies. There's a tab for mutagens. Am I missing any? A tab for notes. You want to talk oh. a game that has mastered the the menu system in RPG? Go yeah. take a look at one of those videos of Skyrim. I don't know what to make of that menu system yet. That menu system looks amazing. I it really I think the, the map depth. looks amazing, but I don't know about that menu system. It looks very you know weird. There aren't many Western RPGs that have good menus, to be honest. No, that's like, true. Bioware's menus used to be so terrible like mass effect one oh god don't um, even bring that up don't even bring that up neverwinter nights has an awesome menu every the interface was, in neverwinter nights was perfect yeah the the interface in dragon age 2 was great i just think that the interface in, in witcher 2 you're fighting with it way too much and it's like uh for example and because john is on this podcast is not on the show i can talk about books why doesn't the game tell you which books you've read and which books you haven't they did that in the original Witcher. Like that's a step back. Like when you well, read the, when you read the books to get knowledge, and then you go back to the bookstore. I have to sit there and compare notes for which books I own and which books I need. Like what what the hell is that? Like that's just I silly. Any, I don't think the first one told you. Yeah, it does. If you if you if in you the shop. 
Yeah, if you roll over it, it'll say, yeah, you've already read this. Oh, if you were – okay. Yeah, and I, I thought that was great. Or what about the fact that if you sell your Witcher alchemy potions, you can't make them anymore? What? It's like Geralt forgets how to make them. It's like <laughs> he literally takes the page out of his cookbook oh, and you, lights it on fire. If you sell the well, recipe. Won't be yeah, what anymore. the hell is that? <laughs> that was so weird to me. I'm so glad I read that on a message board because I was sitting there going, wow, I need, you know, I'm cramped for inventory space right now. Oh, well, I'll start deleting some of these notes. And then I read in a, in a forum, someone was like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's a little strange. Yeah. I mean, it, the combat, the mechanics of it have some small issues. To me, they don't add up to really much of anything because the rest of it is so good. And I enjoyed the combat a lot. But, like, you know, the control isn't great. The menus, interface, that kind of stuff. And then there's, like, some small glitches and miscellaneous things that yeah, come we, with every game. Sure, sure. And I... And I I think that the combat is adequate. It just never grows into something special. It it's in that nebulous area where it's it kind of wants to be Batman, it kind of wants to be Demon Souls, and it just it's a good start. It just doesn't go anywhere. And I I was disappointed by that because like at the end of Demon Souls, you feel like a badass. At the end of Batman, you feel like a badass. At the end of Witcher, you feel like a badass, but it's almost because of everything that's going on behind the scenes. Like, my input in the fight really doesn't matter anymore. I'm I'm so ridiculously powerful, and it's cool. I mean, it's not a bad combat system. It's just I'm very, very picky about this in RPGs, especially action RPGs, and I wanted to see this one kind of grow and develop, and it just – it stagnates a little too early. It's still enjoyable, but again, this is not the purpose of The Witcher. Witcher isn't about combat. It's a part of the experience. I believe that Witcher is all about the story. That's the reason – that's the main thing they're always talking about at CD Projekt. They're always talking about the story, and from that yeah, perspective, I mean, the, game the game rocks. came out, they really didn't talk about the – like they, they never did talk about the combat. Like I had no idea what the combat system was. I was like, well – it's kind of like the other one. Yeah. Sort of. Well, because they're hitting on what they do well. Here's a question I have uh, that I sure. wondered a lot, and I'm, I wonder if people may have wondered too. There were a lot of rumors of it being released on consoles before it came out, and I mean, they said they wanted to release it on consoles, and now we know it is being released on consoles. Do you feel like the game was developed with the knowledge that it would be ported to a console eventually? Like, does it feel like it's more, you know, like it, you know, does it feel like it was tuned for that? I would say yes. I would say the first one. I, I would say yes, and I'll give my reason, and I'll let Kyle jump in. There's little, there's some occasions where the mouse and keyboard control doesn't feel responsive and doesn't feel adequate. Like it's fussy at times. It's like it's hard to get Geralt to open a door, or it's hard for him to pick up an herb. Like the mouse and keyboard setup works, but it doesn't feel like that's how the game was designed, at least to me. And I think this game was designed with a – I think there's a reason why they always showed it with a controller. That's the way they always showed the game was with a with an Xbox 360 controller. And talking with John while he was playing the game with a controller, I think he was having a much more pleasant experience than I was having with a mouse and keyboard. Do you think it will affect the difficulty in any significant way? I think I think Geralt might be more responsive with a controller. I can't speak 100%, but there were times where I was kind of wishing I had a controller. 
So like in combat, when you when you attack, is it like you press a button and he swings the sword, or is it like the first one where he kind of starts going into a flurry? No, no, no. He he swings the sword, and if you time it properly, he'll start up another attack. So it it works. It's just spinning the camera around. It it's it, again, if you played Arkham Asylum on PC. It's kind of the same thing where it just doesn't – it feels fine with a mouse and keyboard, but it doesn't feel optimum. At least that's my perspective. Kyle, you may have a completely different uh, completely different view on it than I do. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean I, I can see where you're coming from, where it would be maybe a controller would be more optimal, but I don't know. I, I just can't – I can't say it. I think it'll be fine on consoles. I think console yeah. gamers, you know, uh, this game coming out on 360, that's a huge win. I find it a little weird that it's not coming out on PS3, but CD Projekt hasn't completely ruled it out. So I think this is, I think we'll see it on, P- on PS3, but I think Xbox 360 gamers looking for a really good RPG, you know, it, this is this is a great game. It really is. All my complaining it's all about the mechanics, and yeah, that's that's the stuff I harp on. That's the stuff that's really important to me. But most of the time that I was playing Witcher 2, I was having a great time. Just a great time. How does it compare to Dragon Age 2, like, overall? I'm going to let Kyle answer that one first. Well, when I was playing The Witcher 2, I couldn't stop thinking how crappy Dragon Age 2 was, to be honest. <laughs> And that that's a candid response. <laughs> um, when I <laughs> when I first played Dragon Age Two, I was disappointed. I had a lot of complaints with it, but it was you know it was still an above average game. But after playing The Witcher Two, I just see what a Western RPG can and ought to be like. And then I was just like, "What is Bioware doing?" <laughs> I think... Bioware is making a game for the lowest common denominator. Well, they did show a turret section for Mass Effect 3, just saying so. Yeah, but at least Mass Effect 3... Mass Effect is supposed to be and always was supposed to be a shooter and an RPG. I know, I know. I think that... I think that Dragon Age 2, from just purely mechanics... I think Dragon Age 2 is a better game, just mechanically. The problem is... The, the other stuff that we talked about during the Dragon Age podcast, the respawning enemies, the repeated environments, the overall lack of impact on the story. For me, Witcher 2 is a much more immersive, engrossing game. It's also a game that you know damn near made me put my fist through a wall, but it is – I care while I'm playing Witcher. Witcher 2 doesn't feel like a video game. Dragon Age 2 does. Witcher 2 feels like I'm hanging out with a bunch of characters that all have their deep, intricate stories, and I'm participating in what's going on, and I'm impacting what's going on around them. Dragon Age 2 feels like I'm watching an HBO series. So it's – I would say Dragon Age, I would say Dragon Age 2 is a good game, and it, it plays very well, but Witcher 2 is much more fulfilling, and I would rather play Witcher 2. There's a reason why I fired up another game of Witcher 2 – and I, game of Dragon Age I tried. I tried to fire up another game of Dragon Age 2, and I was just like... And then you realized that eh. you have to fight the Rock Wraith again, and you decided that that would be a bad idea. 
just remember, you did that on on whatever the massive difficulty is. It's you did that, nightmare. and you know why it's called nightmare? Because I still have nightmares about fighting the rock race. You did that to yourself, man. You're nuts. You know what, dude? You know what I did? I put the difficulty down just to see how much easier he would be, and I put it on casual, and I think I killed him without even hitting a button. <laughs> like, I think I just said, all right, Hawk, get him. I'm going to give you some advice. Do not play Witcher 2 on the uh, insanity difficulty level, the one where it erases your save. <laughs> I I really don't think you should do that, particularly because like something can go wrong so quickly in combat that this is not the kind of game that you should be playing like that. You know, it's it's kind of like the Diablo two syndrome of like you get surrounded by a bunch of fetishes and you die in two seconds. Or back in the day, Diablo two, you get surrounded by anything, or you're doing fine, and then all of a sudden it lags for thirteen seconds, and then you wake up and you're dead. Yeah, like you don't want to play this on insanity. I I would not. See, my my tolerance for high difficulty, I can put up with any amount of difficulty, but when they start using the system against me, like hardcore mode in Diablo, or if you delete my save when I die, I don't want that. That's not fun. Yeah. I, I like it to be so challenging that when I finally do beat it after repeated attempts, I feel satisfied. Not if I die, I'm going to murder myself. Yeah, too much can go wrong <laughs> in this game. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. We'll see I, what happens. I'm sure somebody has released a patch that, you know, like lets you keep that level of difficulty, but removes the, we're going to delete the crap out of your save. I was really thankful that I think they patched Witcher 2 to make the inventory at 300 instead of 250. And I was kind of thanking God for that because 250, I mean, good Lord, that's like no carrying weight at all in this game. Like you're constantly just having to drop stuff. It's like, I'm a, I'm such a hoarder. Like I've just been raised that way that I'm just like, (laughs) I want everything, like even that <laughs> BS pair of pants. I want to hold on to it. Like, don't make me give it up. So, uh, you know, it, Witcher 2 kind of ran into some problems. <laughs> I found Witcher 2 to just be very immersive and very fun. Was it a pain in the butt to play at times? Yeah. But, I mean, what CD Projekt has done. Oh, all right. <laughs> For me. You're telling me you never got frustrated with this game, Kyle? Um... About twice at the same part. Which was? One of the bosses. Eh. <laughs> Very yeah. spoiler boss, so I can't say. Okay, but, but one of the bosses. But it right? wasn't... That was the only time that I thought it was being slightly unfairly difficult. But other than that, I don't know. I didn't have a problem. Yeah, I mean, the bosses got easier as the game went on. I mean, I even took out the last boss of the game fairly easily. But at that point, I was kind of gaming him. You know, like I was using the gameplay mechanics against him, and I'm like, eh, whatever. I'll, I'll just take you out this way. So, I think CD Projekt made a great game. Uh, I'm most likely going to write my uh, second opinion review this week, and I'm going to give it a good score. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think there are problems with the game, but overall, it was very, very satisfying. Very Rob, satisfying. Rob, you're kind of like the guy from Zero Punctuation. Like everyone expects you to hate everything that when you like something, we're all like, <gasps> well, I mean, I. I I think the problem is that I am deeply cynical about games, and I'm I'm very much coming at the game from a scientific mechanics. What's that? You come at it from an impress me. No, I wouldn't say impress me. I think I'm coming at it from a mechanics standpoint. If if I don't find the game itself to be fun to play, I don't want to play it. You know, like it, yeah. it, like I if the game is not 
fun to me. I, even if the story's great, I don't want to continue. Like, I was playing God of War 3 the other day, and I really like that game, but there's a couple fights in that game where I'm like, good lord, this is like a 20-minute fight? This is just horrible. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of this. Like, just die already. You know, like, where somebody has so much health that I'm just pounding away on him for, like, 20 minutes, you know, just enough of that, enough of that. That's that's boring, you know. Either make the enemy fun and challenging and make it a high-stakes game, or stop giving them a ridiculous amount of hit points, you know. Like, just don't, don't do that. I agree. You know, so I think that's what I come at it when I'm playing a game, is that I'm very much a mechanics standpoint, and I think Witcher 2 is very immersive and it's it hooked me in ways that very few games ever have and that's why i kept playing i mean when everything came together at the end of that game and then i was like wow that i when i finished the game i kind of had this feeling like wow that was a very exposition exposition filled ending that is total bs and they're just rewriting all the history of the game and i started playing it again and i was like no it all makes a lot of sense and i can all see, and i can see the stuff that's going on behind the scenes now that's awesome you know very much in that metal gear solid vein of like when you find out everything that was going on behind the scenes you play it again and you see what was happening like, oh. it's really interesting it's very very interesting a good game to play without any spoilers which is what i will do yes i would definitely suggest mm-hmm. it I suggest playing it twice. Yeah, well, you kind of have to with the uh, with the second playthrough. So, it's it's very short. I was kind of surprised. I think I finished it at about twenty one, twenty two hours. Uh, but the second playthrough, I mean, that that's double the game time. So you're getting a right. good RPG. It's it's again, it's it's limited in scope, but not in depth. If that makes sense. It's yeah, a, I, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it it again. Uh, the town of Flotsam is more interesting than all of Kirkwall. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> than all of Kirkwall, Kirkwall. or you mean Genero Land? <laughs> Genero Land, where everybody just stands, and you can shift from day to night. Where there are only a few people that are standing around. Really. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, but in Skyrim, people don't freeze when you're talking to them now, so that's pretty cool. Do we really like that menu system? It looks so weird to me. No, dude, it looks so fluid. Like, it's so unobtrusive, but you can make it what you want it. Uh, we'll have to talk more about it because maybe I'm just watching the wrong videos. But like, I, I I really like the constellation system, and I really like the uh, uh, what else is it? Uh, the map. I think the map just looks holy hell. That's awesome. But the it, like the inventory. Uh, uh, I don't I think know. From this perspective. I think it looks great on its own, but especially compared to Oblivion's menus. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't think like I understood Oblivion's of nonsense. I don't think I understood Oblivion's menus, and I played it for eighty hours, <laughs> and I if didn't understand it, on, it. If you play it on PC with the right mods, it's very much usable. I was thinking about playing Oblivion again, but then I I realized something, and it gets back to the Witcher Two discussion. Surprisingly. I never cared about what I was doing in Oblivion. Oblivion was very much a video game to me. Like, See, go I, here, do this. Okay. No, I agree. I played Oblivion for a crap ton of hours, and I enjoyed it, but never once was I doing a, a story mission. Yeah. I, I had I, like 100 hours in that, and I pretty much ignored the story because you don't care. Well, and even the stories for the uh, – what you call it? For the guilds, except for the Dark Brotherhood, of course, because that was awesome. But like the – 
the stories I didn't care. Like somebody would be like, oh, you know, my my neighbor is spying on me and doing this and the I'm like, whatever it takes to get the experience in the gold. I don't care. Do you, you want me what? to murder it's someone? Because... Do you want me to get a cat out of a tree? I don't care. It's because the system felt very mechanical for doing quests, I think. Like Yeah. Like you felt like you were just doing World of Warcraft style, go here, do this, get that. And, and I think that they're fixing that in Skyrim with that radiant thing. It sounds really cool. And Witcher 2 is very like – there's so many different ways to go about doing a quest. And I, I think uh, this was another point I wanted to make. Witcher 2 strikes that middle ground very nicely where it has – the main quest line is very easy to find and very well tracked. They tell you exactly what to do, very much like Dragon Age. And then the side quests are very much the old school Witcher approach of like you need to go find out what's going on. You need to get the knowledge to be able to do this, that, and the other thing. So it it manages to please both crowds, I think. The, the people like me and Kim who are very much like, hey, we want to play the game and not have to worry about that crap. And then the people like Kyle and Steven who are a little bit more like, hey, we want the immersive angle. We want it to feel less gamey. We, wanna, we want the world to tell us what to do rather than a menu. And I, I I think they yes. did a good job in that. I thought that was a really good way of handling it. Make it so that the story is easily acceptable, is is easily accessible. Excuse me, but keep the side quests. I mean, some of those side quests you won't even find unless you talk to people. It's 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 kind of it's not an RPG at all, but one game that combined the this is going to tell you where to go, but it's also within context very well was in Dead Space. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. The fact that he had that laser that, you know, it made sense because he's got a map of the entire shuttle. His suit is equipped, is is attached, is is installed, you know, with that map. Why can't you hit the button? And it's perfectly within gameplay. It's unobtrusive. That's actually one one genre of video games that I really like right now is the uh, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's it's the Bioshock Dead Space. The world is immersive type game where the world has this system built up where it has its own economy it has its own system for how you know enemies regenerate it it's a very it's a very hard way to i don't know how to describe what the kind of game is but it's like when when you play bioshock and you damage somebody and then they run to a health container or you use the security system against it and it's just this very you're in a world that has this very it follows its own rules. Very yes, it, it's a rules-based like game. Dead Space or like uh, Demon Souls. I would say I wouldn't say Demon Souls is up to that level of Bioshock, but Demon Souls, in its own twisted, cynical way, has its own rules system. Demon yeah. Souls is internally very consistent. Yes, very well. At, uh, at at times, it gets a little annoying when an enemy isn't stunned by your attack, and sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Especially those big fat jerks who spit fire at you and they laugh at you yeah i really don't like those guys because sometimes you stun them with a heavy attack and sometimes you don't and that can be the difference between life and death i really don't like them because they laugh at you after they hit you yeah and i ran into a room once and it had exploding barrels and he threw a fireball at it and blew up the room and as i'm dying he went Uh, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm souring on Demon's Souls again, but I made the absolute worst decision of my life, which was to replay that game. And it really w- is a game that you had to be there for since the community is kind of dead right now. The only people that are playing it are the uh, absolute jerks who just enter into your world as a red phantom and just kill, and just kill you. Uh, it's not pleasant. So... But it's still a great game. So I think we've... I think Kyle and I have reached a consensus here... Uh, 
that Witcher 2 is awesome. And it people is. need to play it. Twice. And I will. Yes, twice. I, I definitely want people to play it. I think CD Projekt has done a great job. I think they're going to support the game very well. I mean, they have an active patching community. Um, yeah. I think they're... They, just like they did with the first one. I mean, you got the Enhanced Edition, and that was like almost, I think, a year and a half after the game came out. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, I think they should be rewarded for what they did with this game. I mean, taking the DRM out of the other releases. I mean, CD Projekt, when I hear about people pirating this game, I get really ticked off. Because, like, CD Projekt is giving you all this content. They're going to support the game. Now they're releasing it on 360. Like, these are guys who genuinely enjoy making video games. They and that's really cool. That's really cool. We have so it, few people that are making games like that. Yeah, and it absolutely shows in the game. Oh, yeah. They, they love this game. They love this world. They love this character. They love all this stuff. You, have, you can't help but play Witcher 2 and just feel like you're in a world. You know, I, I loved it. I really did. You know, I don't want anybody thinking that I was horribly negative on the game. I have problems with it, but, you know, it was one of the most rewarding games I've played in a really long time. You know, I'm about halfway through my second playthrough. I definitely want to wrap it up. And I'd say 360 owners, you guys are getting a treat. I mean, you guys are getting a really, really good game whenever the hell it comes out. And PS3 owners, hopefully you guys get to experience the same thing. So any other closing thoughts on Witcher 2? Or we, I think we're done for the first volume. Yeah. So, Kyle, it was excellent having you on the show. You are a worthy adversary, my friend. But I think <laughs> on this one we agree. So, can we get you on the Dark Souls podcast when we do that sometime in October? And you can just look at me and go, Jesus Christ, Rob, how can you like this game? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, we gotta sure, get, I'll be there. We gotta have, like, a long Demon Souls discussion before Dark Souls comes out. I am so... So pumped for that game. Are you more excited for Skyrim or Dark Souls, Steven? Um, I've looked at Skyrim more because I don't care to have parts of Skyrim spoiled because perhaps the story will be good, but I'm not anticipating <laughs> it for the story. I'm anticipating it to go get lost and run around in the wood, in the snowy mountains. Um, I think I'm probably more anticipating Dark Souls because I'm not looking at it at all. And I, I love going into a game and have no idea what's going on, getting my footing, and then feeling a badass when I figure everything out, which is how I felt in Demon Souls. Um, but probably more than both of them, I'm looking forward to Human Revolution. Well, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Human Revolution, too. I'm sure we're going to talk about it on the E3 podcast. Uh, I have very strong opinions about that game right now. I really hope it turns out uh, turns out to be something special. What is that, August 23rd, I yes. think? Yeah, so we got... And I will be reviewing the PS3 version, so... We've got Human Revolution 23rd. Kyle, you're reviewing PS3 version, uh, PC version, right? Yes. Okay, so we can get you guys on for that. Which will uh, be good, because we can talk about the interface, because they put a lot of time into the PC interface compared to the console. Yeah, interface. I think I've decided I'm going to play the PC version. Um, so we got that. We got Dead Island, which I guess we're going to cover, because it, oh, it's... we are so covering that. That's Borderlands with melee weapons, so... And zombies. Well, it, well, Borderlands had zombies. Yes, if you had the DLC, and it was only that one area. This eh, most of the enemies in that game were zombies. <laughs> kind of zombies. <laughs> they weren't that smart. Uh, so Dead Island, which looks interesting, and then uh, Dark Souls, Skyrim, and uh, Mass Effect 3 in March. So uh, looks like we all we have the major RPGs covered. Now, if only somebody can start making some JRPGs <laughs> that we care about. Uh, Tales. Yeah? 
Hey, yeah. Tales of the Abyss will be out on 3DS, and yeah. I will. How about Persona Five? All over again. We're not going to see Persona Five for a really long time. I don't think. I don't think. <sighs> I'm I'm just as mad as you are. Are there any JR? Did anybody see a JRPG at, at E3 that was worth talking about? Uh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So that's a good lead-in for our E3 podcast. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to Volume One of Episode 25. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys like this uh, format for this kind of special episode. Uh, for myself, for Kyle, for Steven, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, sorry we haven't gotten a podcast out for a while. Uh, let us know how we're doing on the message boards. Let us know how we're doing uh, on the iTunes Music Store. And thanks again for all your support. Look forward to Volume 2.